Rise from your grave. It's Halloween. Halloween. Wait, did you say Hello Morning? <laughs> Hello Morning, <laughs> like Coach Z. Oh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, this is um one of the things that we enjoyed so much last year. We pretty much immediately agreed that we wanted to do it again this year as well. Mm-hmm. If you haven't noticed, the uh, Tomodachi Bros have been absent for a bit. We were training. There's a lot of reasons for that and uh, largely already been covered. But a uh, short version, 2021 sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. Like, everyone's like, oh my god, 2020 was so bad. It's like, no. No. 2020 does not hold a candle to 2021. Literally the only way this could have gotten worse is if the space dragons really had invaded. It's about to say, I didn't almost die in 2020, so... <laughs> and we're, you know, there's still time within this 2021 for that to happen too. So <laughs> I would like to promise this, this is going to be coming out as its own special standalone, like uh Halloween special, but this is as well an indicator for everybody out there that season two will be going into production finally. Yep. Um, and we will be moving forward. We had a whole lot of crap going on as, as Snake mentioned behind the scenes so but but we are we're committed we're coming back we're uh we're we're, we're eager to bring you the reviews that's right season two Se- season two has a lot of good stuff it's almost it's recorded it's just we're not done polishing might be the word um uh, or yeah, editing at all lots more lot, uh, yeah like any editing <laughs> at all. And that's my fault. And, I apologize. Uh, having started my Let's Plays this past year and having to censor Ditaku's filthy mouth, I, I understand a bit more about your frustration. Oh, please. <laughs> you know, everyone comes over for me. I, I actually have legit fangirls. So, you know. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Um, but so like we said, we did Halloween movies last year. And right away we were like, guys, we need to do this again. So we did. And in order to keep things as fair and unbiased as possible, we decided to review these movies in order of release date. And funny enough, all four of us picked movies from the 80s. <laughs> we did. We did. Well, I chose a movie that I've never seen that everyone tells me I need to watch because I have no culture. So <laughs> I was about to say, are you Zentradi? That, 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 that's a smart joke, everybody. Which is funny enough, the first one on this list. It is The Shining. Ah, yes. With Jack Nicholson. Now, here's the thing. You want to know a, a fact that Snack didn't know going into this? 
The Shining is two and a half hours long. It is pretty long, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I noticed that too. And it was funny because my buddy Korgos told me, he's like, why'd you choose that one? It's like a slow burn. And I don't know if you're going to enjoy that. And I watched it and I realized... Yeah, it is a slow burn, but that's kind of the point too. It's a it as the 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 whole the kind of the point is Jack Nicholson slowly goes insane. Emphasis on the slowly goes insane, even though he's kind of insane in the beginning. Well, so <laughs> yeah, slowly is right. There's there's a lot going on here with this movie. Um, to say it's all Nicholson going insane, if we want to compare it to the, the 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 Stephen King story, it's based on this. Actually, Stephen King hates this version. I was about to say, I, I as I understand it, the I, I the book is very different from the movie. Yeah, because it Kubrick is. basically was like, "This is," shit, and then immediately rewrote vast swathes yep. of it. And it's it's interesting. I have uh, mixed feelings on on Stephen King. I feel like some of his better stories are the ones that people don't realize he actually wrote. Things like uh, the Shawshank Redemption, like Maximum Overdrive. I was about or- to say, <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, it's funny. It's not just a, a one-off line from SpongeBob. It's actually a horror film. Not not a good one, but okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be that weirdo right now. Um, a lot of King's works work better in their book form. Now, I know that's like the traditional hipster line is so much better in the book. Well, that can vary for lots of different reasons. And a good example of this is the Langoliers. Yeah. Uh, which is a terrifying story. Uh, and one of the goofiest movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that only the theater of the mind can produce that you can only really, you can't really produce as much in movie format too true i will say this i will say this i i appreciate the fact that he has a sprawling multiverse but Mm -hmm. he is also an insufferable person (laughs) and yet he's largely not responsible because like okay here's the neat thing i didn't know uh if you go through amazon movies there's a thing called the x-ray view where if you mouse over the thing it'll show like movie trivia um this movie was so slow in plotting, I was having more fun reading the trivia than watching the film. <laughs> and one of the bits of trivia they threw in there was like, oh yeah, the original screenplay was written by Stephen King himself, and it pretty much immediately went into the shredder because Kubrick didn't like it. Yeah, there's a lot of trivia that I was kind of looking through about that. Yeah, like apparently The Shining is completely different from the movie to what it, it does in the book and later on in the Dark Tower series too, like the actual power I can't remember if I saw it in the x-ray or if I remember it, but I think the the little boy in the movie was actually afraid of Steven, or, uh, Jack Nicholson because they kind of didn't really see each other. And I think uh, Stanley Kubrick was also very protective of him too. Yeah, he didn't want he, – he basically told the kid that they're doing – they were doing like a family drama and he wouldn't let the kid see like the true movie until he was 17, <laughs> um, which is really cute. Uh, and then you realize, like, he was brutally ruthless to Shelley Duvall through all of filming. So he, like, went out of his way to make her perpetually miserable just so he could try to, like, squeeze, like, quote, unquote, the best acting out of her. Um, it, it's genuinely awful. And even Jack Nicholson, who was said to, like, have a generally friendly relationship with Cooper, because, like, yeah, working for him is, like, one of the worst things you can do in Hollywood. 
Um, apparently, the, the rumor of 127 takes is falsified, but anywhere between like 40 to 55 is not uncommon. See, the problem is, and, and, and here's a thing, you're dealing with a lot of very high intelligence people myself, I, I have a number of family members who have um, IQs that are relatively high. There's a there's a fine line between genius and being just a total arsehole. I think the other thing to mention from as well is that the movie is called The Shining, and it is explained within like the first quarter of the film what The Shining is. Um, and then they basically never reference it again. Well, they reference it in small. They don't reference it in quotation is, marks that much, but they do use it a good amount out, and they. And it's not a like a little thing that the, that the little boy has. Uh, the the chef was his name was uh, yeah Dick Halloran. No, I see the, here. the little boy does have the shining. No, the little boy does have the shining, and so does the sh- the, the the chef from the uh, from yes. the hotel. And he explains it what it is to him. Who actually survives the book, by the way, and is in the sequel. Yeah, he does not. He actually survived the encounter, and the entire hotel blows up at the end of the novel. Yeah, because isn't the actu- the hotel actually the monster in the book? Yeah, basically, yeah. Like everything in the proximity of the hotel and its immediate grounds is all under the influence of this weird dark force from another world leaking in. But it just like it doesn't have the potential to go out much further than that. And yeah, they set the boiler to explode and they level that entire thing on their way out. Yeah, because and the other thing to mention is that, you know, like the house itself is haunted or, you know, or possessed or like you don't really see that as like you see that a little bit with the little girls that are kind of hanging around every now and then. Yeah, like you'll see the shadows of the victims and stuff. And the, the thing is, a lot of those scenes are done really well. You can yeah. get the sense that something is wrong, something is unnatural, and that he's seeing something that essentially isn't really there. But for like every good, well-executed scene is like 30 minutes that could have been cut out of the film and you would have lost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in the sense, though, is that the thing I want to, uh, and as they were pointing out, uh, as I was trying to point out, too, is that a lot of the stuff that starts really starting to go into the forefront happens at the end. Yep. Like you start to notice like the 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 wife, Wendy, starts noticing all this stuff, too, that she never knows before. Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack, which is funny. That's, Jack Torrance. They're both yeah. named Jack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is uh, you know, he has gone completely out. He's gone completely haywire. Uh, he's trying to kill everybody. It's, you know, but it's all at the, the it's all the. It's all in the last 30 minutes of the film. Exactly. Like, yes, exactly. Every single scene that you guys at home remember or have like seen other people use out of context, it's all the last 30 minutes. All work, no play. It's Jack a dull boy. Here's Johnny, the weird dog mask guy in the weird compromising position. It's all the last 30 minutes. None of that happens for like the first two hours, which still confused the crap out of me. That scene, I was like, "What was the actual point of that scene?" Like, I don't like, like, I, I feel like I missed something when I saw. I was like, "I is this here just to be here, showing that there's actual like ghosts now that they can see, or was this just like?" some weird attempted humor is this it my brain just it it started spinning out of control (laughs) you have to you have to understand you have to understand uh clockwork that well first off i mean it depends on because the entire thing is is that uh well thanks to the dark tower pretty much everything is connected now with 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 king's works 
And so, like, we learn that ultimately, like, oh, the, the events of the book, The Shining, are because of evil demons from another world, which are actually where Pennywise comes from in It. Oh, that kind of interconnectivity. Okay. Yeah, it's it's all connected, and it's all basically giant Cthulhu monsters. It's ancient space demons. Like, basically. Yeah. And, and they come to our world to basically prey on the weak and the infirm and basically children and kids, old people and the sick aspiring yeah. authors. And, yeah. And, and aspiring authors in Maine, <laughs> which is literally every single one of his main characters. It's, it's on very uncanny. Lovecraftian. Yeah. Yes. Jack, Jack is mm-hmm. a uh, aspiring writer. Well, I mean, that is true. it's, it's just, you see it. It's in, it's in um, freaking Maximum Overdrive. You know, talk about that film again. It's about this one. It's about um, it. it. It's a recurring character that you see in a lot of his works. So, so is like, is The Shining then kind of akin to like a good power then? Since it kind of gives the boy and the uh, and uh, the chef kind of a insights of bad things that are going to happen. Kind of like the, the reverse of the. It is used like that, but it, it's basically it's one of those things, as I understand it. Bear in mind, I have not read all of the Dark Tower series and I kind of don't want to because it gets really stupid. But it's effectively one of those things where it's like, you know, in Lovecraft where it's like, you know, secrets mankind was not meant to know. It's kind of treated like that. It's like the consequence of coming into contact with these things that humanity just really cannot understand. And yet in execution, it's sort of basically like his version of the force. Basically, yeah. yeah. Almost, yeah. I'm just going to say, barring the fact that it's haunted... Being locked up in a luxury hotel for six months with no people around kind of sounds like my ideal paradise. Well, you know what they say. All work and no play makes Nick a dull boy. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. I had to, Snick. I mean, it's only appropriate. I mean, just saying. There's any luxury hotels in the snowy wastes that need an assist. I am... Happy to oblige and not go crazy in the downtime. Just make sure you have proper internet so you can keep uploading. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly that. Yeah, as long as I have a good internet connection. Oh, and, f- uh, and phone lines that don't that won't die either, and that will not be ever be repaired. <laughs> <laughs> Radios that were built after 1975. Yes. <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry, guys, don't worry. You know, he'll he'll just if he, if need be, he'll just upload his reviews on VHS tapes. <laughs> oh, okay? Jesus! It's all right. <laughs> we're going. Really retro. <laughs> I'd say I definitely have mixed feelings on this one. I don't know that it's aged the best. I actually sat down to watch with with my wife, who has never seen it before. And it was one of those, what? You've never seen it before? Like, you know, one of these classics. So I, I was like, okay, I was really curious about her reaction. And when we were watching it, it was a lot of like, like, what is, she was just incredibly confused pretty much the whole time. She's like, what is actually happening? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, and it's funny because now I'm like, yeah, there's a lot there, but there's a lot of things that like if you don't have at least a little bit of more context of like the the book's story, it doesn't make as much sense. But then at the same time, it's it's trying to be its own thing. And it, it's it's kind of weird. It's like Kubrick was 
trying to do like Kubrick shining and it was like its own story. And now in current times, we have a sequel to the Kubrick films, which uh, this Dr. Sleep movie, which is the direct sequel, which is funny because they did the same thing with the movie. The, the film Dr. Sleep is a direct sequel to the Kubrick version of the shining. And it tries to fill in a lot of the holes from this film. And whereas the book, the two, the books are like their own thing. So there's so many like little differences, but it's like, if you don't understand enough of the, the original story, like it, you don't get what's happening. Little things like the red rum scene. It's like, like the, the little boys, like imaginary friend, he was a much bigger force um, and the whole red rum scene, this, basically what's happening is he's trying to save himself from the future. The little boy grown up from the future is trying to use the shining to send a message back. That's what that red rum scene is where you, she sees it backwards and says murder. He's trying to warn himself to save his family. Um, little things like that where it's just like, huh? Like it's just a creepy scene. And it comes out of nowhere. Like exactly. Here's a, a fun bit of trivia. There's only one on screen death. And it's a character who didn't canonically die in the book. Exactly. Yeah, so he doesn't like, die in the book. What red rum? Nobody's getting hurt. Exactly. Yeah, he sa- he actually helps save the family and gets away. So the books and the story, like it's very different. The other thing is Jack's character. I think Jack Nicholson is fantastic. I mean, he's done some incredible performances. I think he works in, in the movie, but in the context of the story, it I do see what people talk about where it's like he's kind of crazy at the beginning. Whereas the book version, you know, he's supposed to be a loving father. It's supposed to be this happy, this, well, it's supposed to be this family because spoilers, if you try to read the book, they don't actually go, most of it's like family drama and they don't actually go to the hotel until like a third of the way through the book. Um, so, you know, which one's more entertaining it's a flip of a coin uh, is like, do you want more like drama and like family dynamics or do you want more, you know, creepy, scary stuff? But then again, again, more weird stuff happens. In the book, like there's no hedge maze in the book. Uh, he literally gets attacked by it, but there are like shrubbery animals that come alive, like, which is silly to me, but it, it happens in like the, the, the made for TV version. Um, there's there's a lot of weird differences and there were a lot of weird choices made between the two. But I mean, going back and watching it as a standalone movie on its own, it's it's actually kind of confusing. There's a lot of like they don't it does. It's very open ended. It doesn't explain a lot. You know, it, it has this whole it's definitely doing its own thing. And there's a lot of really great scenes. But the plot overall is a, a little disjointed to kind of add to that though is like um the there is a bit of fan there is that bit of family drama though like they kind of spread it out and talk about how like uh jack accidentally dislocated uh the kid's shoulder uh you know off at a at a at a, at a past date and uh like the mother hasn't really forgiven him for it so that's why she thinks that he hurt her uh he'd hurt him uh when it was actually the the lady the lady in the uh, the bathtub, 
Um, and the, uh, oh yeah, I remember it was the red rum was like, in my head as I'm watching, it, I'm like, what is, what is this phrase he's saying? And then he writes it on the door with the lipstick and it spells out murder. Like I said, I'm like, oh, I mean, it clicks now. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like his brain is sending a message. He doesn't have the full thing when you write it out or you read it backwards that it, it comes alive. Uh, some of the, I feel like, at least for me, uh, some of the points don't click right away. And I, I don't know, I could say that, that I guess made my enjoyment a bit better. Cause once you, once you solve the mystery that's been kind of going through, you're like, oh, okay, nice. And there's a, there is a mist, there's a mystery here that we solve. And then, I mean, I never read the book or anything like that. So I don't know uh, what actually, you know, came of it and what's different. So it's staying, hearing between that and what they had in the book. Uh, it does sound, I mean, yeah, the family whole kind of drama part part would probably not do very well on TV, but that's why I'm assuming that's why they did the, the sprinkle here and there in the, uh, when as the, as the, as, uh, Jack slowly is going insane and everything to kind of add to the, uh, to the affair. Yeah, I just say like with Jack, the thing that people it's like it seems like he's just kind of crazy and he's going more crazy, but he 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 is actually trying to resist. Like part of that scene where he's going to destroy the radio, he destroys the radio not just because he's crazy in the book, it's because the radio is telling him to kill his like the voices he's hearing from the radio are telling him to kill his family and he doesn't want to kill his family. Yeah, in the movie, he's pretty unrepentant and single-minded about the whole affair. It, it, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, you know, you know. Speaking speaking of a similar uh, filmmaker, you know Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, when when they had Willem Dafoe as as Norman Osborn, mm-hmm. and it's like he's supposed to be this really upstanding, nice guy, but it's Willem Dafoe, and so he's just kind of crazy from the beginning i mean that's kind of what it reminds me of well you see my good itaku i can explain that for you you see that's because they chose willem dafoe and not willem da friend <laughs> <laughs> wow okay <laughs> you've been waiting years to use that haven't you oh yes i have <laughs> yes I and have. he did it he finally did it <laughs> The the one thing I like to say about that though is that I mean, in a sense though, is like as you know, William Defoe is kind of like as you say, is a bit crazy as he's going through and then becomes the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. It's like you you kinda you kinda I, I you you understand the Green Goblin's gonna be in this film, I'm assuming if you watch trailers and stuff yeah. like that. But I mean there's that kind of click, even if you never watched anything like that, that you know there's something off about this character, and then he becomes Green Goblin, and you go, Oh, that's what's gonna happen. Like it's I mean if like if it was like the sun shift would be good too and that kind of mystery but i mean it depending on how they wanted to film it too like it could have been a good choice or it could have been a suboptimal choice but i guess it really kind of doesn't kind of depends on where the director was really going with it but i don't know if that was ever stated if see that's what they wanted or not i i get what you're putting down but i'm going to counter on one major port and and this this is the issue that kind of sunk this film for me because it's the pacing it is two and a half hours long. Oh, here yeah, I was expecting <laughs> it to be, you know, it's because it's really popular and I'm a hipster. Okay. 
<laughs> no, like the, here's no. The, see, that's actually the frustrating thing because it's the reverse. I'm like everyone has been telling me for years and years and years this is a horror classic. Oh yeah, they're like it's the greatest horror movie ever made. Yeah, that and, and it's like oh, it's on all these top tens and top fifties and top hundreds of amazing horror films, and you have to see it. And every single shot was done perfect because they were done like fifty times each. And I'm like, you could cut out like the first hour and a half of this film and not lose much of anything. And the slow descent into madness is so slow as to be inconsequential. He's already kind of uncanny and off-putting in one of the earliest moments of the movie, which is his having the job interview. And he's already kind of like a little off, but it's kind of hard to like place why. But then just like halfway in, he's like talking to people who aren't there. Which, by the way, that, that first scene when he's in the bar talking to the, the bartender guy, that's really good. Because it really seems like he's, he's having the conversation, but he's really only hearing what he wants to hear. So that's the, the flow of the conversation. If it was more like that, and you see this descent into madness starting from an almost amicable standpoint that gradually descends into the madness, that would have worked better. But you also probably could have done that in an hour, an hour and a half runtime as opposed to dragging our heels on largely inconsequential bits for the better part of the runtime. Because like all the iconic moments, all the memes, all the references, all the homages are pretty much the last 30 minutes of the film and the come play with us scene, which is about halfway in. <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, my final thoughts on this. It's like four out of 10. It's really nothing special. Wow. Yeah, and I thought I was going to be the one to really roast this one. But that's because more I just I'm I'm not a big fan of of just King. I mean, like King can do good stuff. Like I said, I actually like the novel of the Langoliers. It's a good read. I, I know, and he's not he's not quite at, at George R R levels of just you know <laughs> you were supposed to be the chosen one. Everyone loves you, and yet you're kind of a hack. But I think more. In, in King's case, it's a self-imposed being a hack because, well, as I understand it, and, and, and I know this is probably not uh, news to anyone here, but apparently uh, he spent most of the 80s just high as a kite. <laughs> high as a kite and drunk as a skunk. Well, I heard that's like that's where the magic came from for a good amount of his books, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I said, I've never really read. Uh, my final review: I think this movie is a good first watch. I don't know how well it's going to work on the second or third run through. To be honest, I think you should watch this if you haven't seen the film. I suggest watching it. If you got a good two and a half hours to kill, I think you won't regret it. But it'll be one of those where you kind of put it on the shelf and it's just gonna gather dust at that point because you're like, I could, eh, maybe not. <laughs> kind of, kind of situation for the, ne for the next run through. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it it depends. You, you'd think the same thing about the Lord of the Rings, but I mean, my family watches those every year. So I watch them almost every year. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing. Like pretty much around like Black Friday. Before I used to work, that was our Black Friday thing. We'd pretty much like be like, well, we're going to take the entire day. We're going to watch these films. And it's pretty great. You play Pinochle, you're, you're pretty much just hung over on turkey, and you just watch Frodo destroy it. <laughs> All right, Clockwork, what's your uh, what's your final score for The Shining? Uh, Dino Pressure? Oh, yeah, I'd say, it's a, I'd say it's a good six. 
All right, Dutaku. I'd say it's about a about a six too. Yeah, I mean it's it. I, I have to begrudgingly admit that it's competently shot, and Kubrick is a master, mm-hmm. but it is not like a. I, I am at this point basically like if film critics say it's a, a masterpiece, it's because they have to. Otherwise, they're all going to be like, oh, my God, it's just people watching movies and we pay them to do so. Da-da-da. <laughs> How dare you have fun? Yeah, it's like so. I, I mean, Citizen Kane is the same way. Yeah. A, a lot of these like, oh, my God, you have to see these films. It's like they're not as good as people say they are. I don't know. I I wasn't. I, well, I sorry. I want to interject real quick. I just want to say I don't. What I I didn't live up. I will say this. It didn't live up to the hype that everyone put it at for me. But the thing is that it, the thing is that is I didn't. I don't usually keep things that are that hyped up because uh, they're never going to live to hype anyway. So I came with a a minimum expectation and I wasn't disappointed. And I thought, it, like you said, completely shot. I thought it was pretty. I, like I said that's why I'm assuming. Or I, for me, it's a good first watch. I. I don't know if I'll watch it again or might watch it again, like on a, on a long period of time. You know, yeah. you know, and this is funny to me that you say that because I mean, this is the same person, ladies and gentlemen, who played a hundred hours of cyberpunk 2077. Yikes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah. all right, Cog, you're up to bat. So as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've kind of mixed feelings on this one. Again, I think, I kind of agree with Snack. Stephen King can, when Stephen King's really good, he can be really good. A lot of other times, he can, it can be just, like Dataku said, just really stupid. In this case, this is actually the first time I got, I think this is the first time I've gotten through this movie without falling asleep and gotten to see the whole movie. Because most of the time when I tried to watch it when I was younger, I, I usually had the same issues with the pacing and that, like, I'd, I'd fall asleep early on and then wake up during the scarier parts. Well, that's really unfortunate. <laughs> You wake up and then, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm terrified yeah. now. <laughs> Why is there a naked granny on the screen? What's going on? <laughs> oh, the book and the movies are are very different. Um, right. And it's funny because I feel like you have to know, like I said, you have to know a little bit about the book in order to really understand like more of what's happening in the movie. It's. I'm going to agree with Snack. It's very slow. Again, my, I, I watched it with my wife. She'd, she'd never seen it before, and it was a lot of just confusion. She was like, this feels very confused. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she just kind of was kept neg. She was like, what's going on? What's going on? Tell me what's happening. You know, and that was just, it, it, it's not the kind of reaction you really want when you're going back and watching something that's supposed to be like, oh, greatest movie, greatest classic horror movie ever. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, uh yeah, no. I really think the movie has kind of been crushed under the weight of its own popularity. But that being said, the scenes that it does get right, it gets quite right. You know, the blood coming down the hallway. The I think some of my favorite scenes is when they're running through the hedge maze at the end, just with the lighting and everything. It's 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. But overall, I I mean, I give it like a it's like a five out of ten. All right. So let's close the book on that. And move to 1984 with the original Ghostbusters. Now, now, hold on now. This isn't the original Ghostbusters. Oh, no, no. it is. Be quiet. <laughs> no. Be quiet, Ditaku. No, no, 
We are not having the discussion about the talking monkey and other stupid no, miscellaneous. We're not <laughs> now, what happened, what actually happened was back when SNL was actually funny. And for those of you who are like younger than me, uh, SNL was funny once. And that was back in the days of Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray being on the show. The long, long ago in the faraway times. Yes. I I will I will say that they stopped being funny actually about the time that that we were in high school. I'd, I'd say cuz they were I I I'll I'll say it. I think the Lonely Island were pretty they're still funny. That's fair. I they made it funny. Yeah. They they did funny things. So That's fair to say. I'm not going to defend modern SNL though. A bro- a broken clock can be right twice a day, so I mean That's true. Know. That's very true. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to defend modern SNL though. <laughs> God. It, it's garbage. <laughs> is that why I'm right tw- is that why I'm sometimes right twice a day? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, that said, Dan Aykroyd apparently really spearheaded this idea and and he came up with the idea of this like for hire ghost hunting agency. And he pitched the idea to Harold Ramis, who really liked it. They pretty much hammered it out and made Ghostbusters. And it was one of the biggest comedy sensations of the (laughs) eighties. Like if you don't know this already, like, have you been hiding under a rock for the past few decades? I, I don't know what to say. I was about to say, yeah, it was a huge cultural phenomenon. And then immediately got swept aside because, well, I don't know how to say this, but there were four radical reptilians that just happened to show up about the tail into the 80s. <laughs> right after. Yeah, because uh, Ghostbusters 2 was 89, yeah. I want to say. Um, yeah, we had two, uh, feature length films and an animated series, and then it just stopped. It's the weirdest thing. (laughs) Two animated series. I'm sorry. Two animated series. No, no, no. There was just the one. It was just the real Ghostbusters. And then they stopped and the franchise was never used for anything ever again. Hey, I I will defend, I will defend extreme Ghostbusters. They actually had some creepy, creepy episodes that actually were pretty good. I never saw that one, and to be perfectly honest, I haven't seen Afterlife, although I hear it's, it's actually pretty good. It's not out yet. You, Of course you haven't seen so it. You can't have seen oh. it yet. <laughs> I think I've seen a little bit of an animated Ghostbusters, but that was like a long time ago in a couple states far, far away. The real Ghostbusters. Yeah, the real Ghostbusters, and it was really yes. consistently very good. Though for some reason they like changed all their hair colors and made Dan Aykroyd really fat for some reason. <laughs> the reason for that, and they they go into that actually, if you um, because they ha- they actually have serious commentaries on it, is because it if you look at the actors, and I mean you're you're a young imagine you're a young child imagine that snack. It's it's going to be three you know, middle-aged comedian actors. They're all kind of similar in terms of build. They're all kind of similar in terms of hair color. That's the reason why they wanted to give them something to make them distinct at a glance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. uh, The thing is this film 
got away with some really, really dirty jokes. Yeah, it did. And it's PG rated because PG-13 didn't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, um, Gozer the Gozerian actually was a uh, porn star. Yeah, she was playing, yeah, played by a porn model. Mm-hmm. And then, like, okay, I'm just going to say, all four of these films have a lot of topless scenes in them. They do, don't they? It was something about the 80s and a complete irreverence for that kind of yeah. thing. Okay, all right. Speaking of Ghost of the Gozerian, I have to ask, this is going to be Ditaku's gun to your head moment, all right? If you say, are you a god, the answer is yes. No, 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 no. It's not that. If you are given the... If you were in that situation where where Gozer comes down is like prepare uh, what is the you know form of your destroyer and you immediately have to say something, what are you going to be destroyed by? Oh jeez. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm afraid you've caught me on the back foot, so to speak. <laughs> come on, snack. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, come on. Come on. Come on. Just just first thing. See, I'd probably try to use a rationale like Dan Aykroyd's character attempted, or it's like something that could never, ever hurt us. And it's like, what would it be? The Michelin man? But then that would be like the exact same thing, except he's made of rubber instead of marshmallow. <laughs> and Cog would say something stupid, like, it's a tire. And then you know, there would be a giant tire rolling down downtown New York. As it squeaks, oh, for, as it squeaks ferociously, channeling <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I can't believe it's Benny. I, I have to. I have to give you crap, dude. Um, but that's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez. You know, with me, I'd probably think something Wait, stupid. Wait, it's and... not over. He's reincarnated as a tricycle. <laughs> as a tricycle. <laughs> now he's going to Hollywood, where his powers can can be used for good. Ah, uh, you see, it's like Toxie. It's the Toxic Avenger. He has to destroy New York now. <laughs> oh, that's that's what we need to do next time. I, we need to do Toxic Avenger. <laughs> oh yes, Toxic Avenger. Yes. <laughs> so um, here's the thing: if I was put in that position, the first thing that pops into my head would probably be something really stupid. I'm going to be honest because I'm not that smart. Um, I'd probably accidentally think of like an anime waifu or something and condemn us all to death via gigantic moe. And while I largely am okay with that, I know a lot of people aren't. Okay. All right. Clockwork. What about you? Uh, oh man. First thing it to come prob- to mind that the, it, this isn't too hard. It'd probably be like, it probably uh, like in my head, it, uh, it would probably be like, um, oh Jesus! And it's not hard. The problem is, is that is like in that moment when you're walking through, it, when you're walking through, is like, where? What do you want to be destroyed by? And your brain goes to some something like my old, my first thing would probably be like a bunny or something like that. Like, oh. like bunnies are cute and cuddly; they can't hurt you <laughs> as they start nibbling you to death. Yes. <laughs> Actually, there was a uh, there was a horror film about that. Night of the Lepus. Mm-hmm. All right, Cog. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of in the same. It'd probably be something really stupid. As whatever the first thing was that popped in my head, I'd be sitting here going like a hippo. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It'd be a hippo also, or I, a tire or some ridiculous. Yeah, nonsense. then watch it be a hippo when he's got cool glasses on and he starts making sarcastic comments. 
Also, to, to add to the Snake's uh, death, I just imagine just the, the Moe character just shooting a heart, heart at like the general vicinity and everyone's just heads exploding from adorableness or something like that. <laughs> That's the thing Not that came to my mind. Responsibility for this, <laughs> or just be Godzilla. I just would have wished. I'd just be like, yeah, you know, it'd be cool just seeing Godzilla. Seems fair, and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, seems fair mm-hmm. to me. And then uh, Blue Oyster Cult's on the on the opposite rooftop. All right, Yutaku, that that gun needs to get pointed back at its owner. All right. Well, for me, I, the first thing that came to my mind was just um, it was what's her face, uh, Helena from Dead or Alive. So just be boy howdy, and then <laughs> I get the, oh, just, okay. That's, that's Tina, just my stumped. man. Ah, right. Sorry. Tina is the Southern Belle. Helena is the French lady. Ah, uh, yes. You know, and I was making I was making a joke about that the other day. I it's just inexcusable. I'm sorry. You know, of all the ways to go. That's not the worst. So, I mean, I get it. Um, that said, I want everyone to know there is a Ghostbusters video game. It's on Steam now, the HD remaster. It is basically Ghostbusters 3. If you want your trilogy, there you have it. It's fantastic. As I was about to say, considering that they, there never was a third film. Nope. Ever. Well, I mean, it's it's not out yet. But it has it has potential to be good. Paul Rudd is, has spearheaded it, and he seems like a really down-to-earth guy. I think if anyone can do it justice, it's probably him. I mean, it's being directed by the son of the original director. And from what I've been told, everybody that is, you know, alive and able to come back is coming back. So I'm hoping, you know, that it's treated with the care it rightfully deserves. Ghostbusters 1984 is kind of a complicated film, despite having a very straightforward through line story-wise. Because it starts with, oh, hey, the public library has a ghost. Well, maybe we can do something about that. Oh, okay, well, we know how to capture ghosts now using science. Well, that's cool. Maybe we can franchise this idea. And it just kind of kind of just goes in that direction with the Ghostbusters becoming a legitimate business. And one of the most interesting things is um, I mentioned this in the Christmas episode last year where the 80s had a very strong independent streak. Like, you can't wait for the FBI to arrive. They're not going to be able to do anything right. You have to do it yourself. (laughs) That goes to a hilarious point of the fact that one of the major, like, bad guys in the film is the freaking EPA. EPA, (laughs) Yeah, the EPA officer. Yeah, I was going to say, literally... Literally, New York City. That's that's my point. Actually, is literally Cthulhu is dropping down on New York City, and literally, the government is going wagging his fingers, going, "No, no, no, no! We need to let Cthulhu <laughs> eat Manhattan because you're not up to your <laughs> emissions standard." Yeah, and I'm like, so. none of you guys know how this safety that no one, none of you guys know how this laser grid containment system works, except like Egon and, and uh, Ray. That's it. Like no one else knows how this thing works. No one else can maintain it. And he's just like, shut it off, shut it off, shut this whole thing off. And the, even the the dude he's brought in as the engineer is like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's also the point that like at, at after they shut off the grid. You know, the alarms start going off. They run out the building because they explode. And it does, and the explosion happens. And he turns around like, they did this. They caused this explosion. I'm like, yep. no, you did, genius. <laughs> yeah, he, he starts like, pointing the fingers at them. 
it's it's almost like the government has no business regulating how a private business does its job because the government will ultimately make it worse. Cough, cough, current events, cough, cough. <laughs> okay. Can we also say, as an aside, that, like, for his um, presence in the franchise, like, Slimer himself, as, as just a complete aside, He's like complete non-factor in this film. He shows up and is kind of yeah. a monster of the mo- yeah, it's like kind of a monster of the scene, <laughs> and that's it. He's like he's not an important ghost. He's not you know sca- you know he's not particularly prominent or powerful. He just looks cute. That's the one that's thing it. I kind of as I was watching the film because I'll put it this way: I don't remember watching this film from start to finish its entire. Yeah, I remember watching always a lot of bits and pieces. And the one thing I guess I'll kind of go on my thing here is that I kind of feel disappointed watching this for the full thing because I kind of realized as I was watching it that I think I've watched all the best the best stuff it had to offer really at like at one point in time. And when you put it all together, there wasn't much else really to it it's a very very oft quoted film yes you have just described my feelings about the pick of destiny film (laughs) 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 like the the vision of of this movie in my head that i had for years and years and years was way better than the actual film so when i sat down and watched it it wasn't that good i was like wow i totally understand why this flopped now yeah uh, but what I was trying to say, what I was uh, going for was that a lot of the ghosts they find, like the ghost has a presence, the ghost kind of has a personality, as you're saying, but a lot of them are, yeah, are like very secondary characters up until the last two spirits, the, uh, like the, the gatekeeper and the, the gate, the gate key or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Zool, Zool and Vince Clortho. Yes. They're the, they're the old, they're like, and then you get, you know, and then you get Stay Puff who arrives for a little bit and then probably gets vaporized. Uh, <laughs> well, Stay Puffed is Gozer. That, that's the entire oh, thing. Yeah. It's literally Gozer about to destroy them. It, it's like a weird courtesy that a god would like bestow upon people where it's like, hey, I'm going to kill you all, but you guys get to pick what it looks like when it happens. And uh, speaking of that game, you actually get to see a giant slore yeah, as you do. one of the boss encounters. Yep. You actually get to see what he's talking about. Yeah, when he's going off the uh, off the handle and like, oh, where did you see that? Yeah. Yep. And that's here's a, a thing that I noticed watching this film again. Vince Clortho is like really, really polite. He is. <laughs> like, as a dog monster, he like chases Rick Moranis' character around. But when he possesses him, he's like super yes, agreeable and like really <laughs> nice and, and just answering all of Egon's questions with no hesitation whatsoever. And Egon's like, well, who are you? He's like, oh, well, this is my name. This is where I'm from. This is what I do. And I was like, well, he's really amicable for a ghost. <laughs> you know, it's, here's the thing. If you're an ancient Sumerian god monster, why are you going to be rude I mean, you're going to be destroying this entire world anyway, so you might as well humor the little insect man thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, he's really nice. Maybe, you know, maybe ghosts have more personality than we give them credit for. At least the, the older ones do. Well, it's also, I think it kind of depends on the type of ghost, too, because <laughs> a lot of the ghosts seem to be somewhat single-minded as well. Yeah, oh, true. but, like, I guess it kind of depends. Like, they didn't, like... they. 
I think in like two or three of the ghosts they see, they kind of name like this is a uh, ethereal. P- I don't remember what they call the uh, the one that eats a bunch uh, off top of my head. But he's like he's like ether puff level three or something. He was a class five uh, class yes. five vapor or something to that approximation. Exactly, and you're like, well, what other classes are there? What other like you, there's a, there's a kind of a whole like Pokemon got to catch them all ecosystem all of a sudden that you're trying to that you kind of you got to kind of figure out all of a sudden that. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. You can actually go out and get the uh the manual Tobin Spirit Guide. Oh, there's a book to it. That's probably why I didn't see it. <laughs> and, and they reference it a lot. Uh full full on excerpts yeah, they mention it like two or three times throughout the film, uh, but it's a real book, and a lot of ideas that uh, Ackroyd had came from it. And not only does is there kind of a Pokemon vibe, there's a Ghostbusters mobile app game that really is very much akin to Pokemon in many respects, where you actually capture ghosts and fight other ghosts. There was until they lost the, uh, they, they ran out of money to maintain the license. Uh, and so the game is not actually running anymore. Oh, you want to, you want to know what's even crazier there, Clockwork? What is the, uh, what's the joke, Chaco? Well, I was about to say, Pokemon itself is actually based off of yokai, which are, well, they're, they're spirits. They're simultaneously gods, uh, ghosts, demons, various other things that are all kind of just supernatural entities. Yeah. So the entire thing with them is that you're talking about like, oh, ghosts, Pokemon are ghosts, or ghosts are Pokemon. It's like, uh, you're, you're entering, <laughs> you're entering into a very interesting. I mean, you're not wrong, but it's. You're, 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 you're entering into a very interesting <laughs> philosophical question, and I can already hear somebody going, actually, it's <laughs> like, you know what, nerd, I don't freaking care. Well, it's kind of like it's in like you can kind of say that about like the spinoffs as well. Like, well, not spinoffs, sorry. I mean, like things that try to look like it. Well, like when did you like did you no, on no, in the sense that had all the no, different different. No, bad no. clockwork. Bad. Sit. Oh, no, 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 no. We are not doing that. We are not doing that. No, we are not. No, no. We are. I I don't want to hear Professor Snacks. And so that's actually why Digimon are secretly metal. I don't. Okay, then what about Yokai Watch then? Or whatever. No, we're not doing that now. I don't want to hear about. You get the spray bottle, Clockwork. No, not the spray bottle. No. And then you go down the OSHA compliance stairs. I was about to say, I don't want, I don't want Professor Snack's TED talk on why Digimon are secretly Metabots and it all was secretly Yatterman's <laughs> fault. And like, um. All right, I'm throwing the handbrake on this. Ghostbusters 1984, 10 out of 10, fight me. I mean, I disagree. I'd say it's like an 8 out of 10. It's a great film, though. Uh, final score for Clockwork, I'd say it's a 7 out of 10. All right, so I didn't get to talk as much on this one but uh i was jealous i was i was jealous that snack picked one of my all-time favorite movies uh, <laughs> ghostbusters is Sorry, the ghostbusters is one of the greatest things ever uh it's it's a 10 <laughs> out of 10 for me uh it's one of my son's absolutely favorite films i've got to see the magic of it firsthand sitting and watching it with like a five-year-old and then that five-year-old proceeding to sit down and want to watch it over and over and over and over again. I'm shocked that you let him 
to be perfectly. <laughs> that is kind of a dirty movie. <laughs> I he doesn't get any of the jokes. Like they go over his head. But then again, it's like my parents let me watch Airplane at that age, so I guess I have no grounds to stand on. Hey, hey, it w- my wife. I came home one day and my wife was watching it with him. I didn't. I didn't pick, but he he <laughs> loves it so much. This was the easiest one to watch because we watch it in my house every few weeks. At still at this moment, he's been obsessed with it for a while now. He absolutely loves Ghostbusters. I love Ghostbusters. So getting to see that magic, like it's it's been incredible. Like he wants to run around the house and catch ghosts. It's been like please incredible. Please so, don't tell me that you let him watch Evil Dead with you. No, 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 no. He he has not watched <laughs> Evil Dead. No, but uh, okay. <laughs> He, because I, I bring up, we, we've actually sat down to watch the real Ghostbusters and he loves the, the cartoon show. It's been just a magical bonding experience for my son and I. And we have some of the, some of the comics are actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. We actually have some of the books and some of them are pretty fun, entertaining and decently written. We played through the game together multiple times and uh, yeah, love it to death. It's a 10 out of 10. Um, I'm just, I was jealous that Snack picked it before I did. <laughs> I was thinking of you, buddy. I know you love this film as much as I do. And uh, I actually have the uh, comic of uh, Ninja Turtles Cross Ghostbusters. Yes, It's yes, one of my yes. favorites. It's like, they did such a good job with it. Yeah, I got I got a whole, um, we've got the Spectral Shenanigans collections where they're going like across the, they're like, it's the Ghostbusters traveling across the U.S. and going to different, you know, states and having spooky adventures, and it's a lot of fun. Interesting. Nice. I didn't really know there was nice. a lot of uh, there was mm. the Ghostbusters cool. uh, crossovers like that. Yeah, IDW has the license for uh, comic books. They did one with Transformers as well. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, they did one with Transformers, where the X One actually becomes the Transformer. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you can actually get a toy. There's they they actually produced a mm. toy for it as well. 10 out of 10. Ghostbusters is amazing. Yes. So I think that takes us into The Fly, 1986. Let's see. Yes, I picked The Fly, which um, is actually one of my wife's favorites because, as she likes to say, it gets to the point where you're not sure if it's Goldblum's rendition of a fly or a fly doing Goldblum. (laughs) Why not both? (laughs) (laughs) You know... You, you know, it's it's funny. You don't you don't think about it, but between this and um, him and Buckaroo Banzai and Earth Girls Are Easy, it's like, man, Jeff Goldblum was in a lot of really weird science fiction movies in the 80s. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he was. This one's another one that's kind of a slow burn, but it like it's an intentional. It's not as long as like The Shining is. It's a whole hour shorter, in fact. And it makes a lot more sense because you get to see the kind of development. This movie still stayed with me because of the crazy makeup and prosthetics and everything. And it's sort of a similar thing with The Shining where you're kind of leading up to the to the, the final act of the film, but it stays with you. It's still so goopy and gross. And the body horror in, in this movie is no it still sticks with you i was i was quite impressed watching it again it's it's those physical special effects there my dude i feel like uh the from a lot of as you said a lot of the prosthetics and a lot of the practical effects i feel i felt like some of that when i watched out of the four movies we watched this is the one that kept my attention the best mainly because like 
the amount of stuff they did. Like when, like last year when we did the thing, that was kind of the one that uh, that kind of kept me along to write a lot too because of a lot of the practical effects, a lot of special effects. And I think this one, the main reason why also is because like the shining, as you say, it's, there's a slow burn to it. This, this one has a actual like physical representation other than the gentleman is slowly going insane. Look, watch as he has, he, uh, slowly goes insane with nothing happening with the fly. It's watch as Jeff Goldblum slowly transforms into the fly. <laughs> and as you see the different transformations and transformation he goes through and everything like that, the physical representations is you're going like, what's going to be the next one? What's going to be the next one until you get to the end where he becomes the fly. <laughs> you know, you know what this kind of reminds me of. And I, I can already, I'm, I'm just imagining this, this really reminded me of the old, um, the Giver films where they actually killed off Mark Hamill because he went through a transformation akin to that. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. And I'm like, oh, holy crap! This this is very similar, except that you know there isn't a Japanese Tokusatsu hero that just comes in and like blows him up. <laughs> 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 Although not gonna lie, this guy would look right at home in Showa era Kamen Rider. Let me tell you. What you, you, you trying to say something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, cog! I didn't realize that you were a, you know just admitting you're a Kamen Rider. <laughs> are, are you sure that's okay to do? I mean, shocker might get you. The the thing that I think makes this particular version of the fly very interesting is um, I had not seen this one. I'll be honest. I actually had watched the original fifties. The Fly, a long, long, uh, long time ago. Vincent Price, yeah. Which was kind of more of a, a straightforward monster film in many ways. Um, here, The Fly is more of a tragedy that has horror elements peppered in alongside the the human tragedy. And you, you see part of it is like, as he's going through the transformation, it's not just physical, it's also affecting his mental state. His speech patterns become more simplistic as he becomes more and more of this half-human insect. And he has this really interesting monologue that I actually really liked, where it's like, have you ever heard of insect politics? Yes. It's like, no, me neither. It's not a thing, because that's not what they do. And I'm like, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> I actually quite like that. I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoyed the 50s fly as well it is it, it just this one is a whole different sort of take on it and it's interesting because it's still very different the fly in general the story is very different from a lot of other horror movies because like in, in this case it actually sort of starts out as just like a romance this weird science fiction romance story and it's like your biggest villain is a common house fly yep you know and it's just it's it's crazy, um, and 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 the development of it, like I said, like the fact that it's also got like humorous elements to it too, where he's just you know like I, you know the, I love the scene where he's like sitting down to do the going to eat like a donut or something. He's just like throwing up like a fly would do, just vomits all over. And it's like oh that's that's disgusting, <laughs> you know. And then he's like sitting down. He's like I'm now Brundle Fly, <laughs> actually. Uh, flies do not vomit, as that implies bile comes up with it. It is an acid secretion. Right, right, right. Yes, which it is. In, it's like an acid, yes. So <laughs> I use the wrong word. That's my fault. <laughs> well, and 
also the fact that he's using this as a kind of way of teaching children the anatomy and how a fly operates. Yeah, he sits down as literally like he continues to be a scientist as much as he can, as much as his faculties let him to the where he'll sit down and try and like examine himself, which was like, oh, that's crazy mad scientist. I think my my biggest thing from this one, which I for for some reason, this is what I, like everyone watches movie different is that the antagonists or the presumed antagonist, the ex-boyfriend who is the producer? I don't remember the, the production dude of the. Uh, he, he was an editor. He was the editor above above the girl. The editor, yes, yeah. Thank you. Yes, uh, and as it's as uh, Jeff Goldblum slowly turning into the fly, he's slowly doing pretty much in and I don't have a better term a face turn where he's going becoming from the antagonist to a protagonist because now he's trying to help. Because Jeff Goldblum is slowly becoming more and more evil, and now you know, trying now is now attempting to do harm to the Ronnie. Yes, Ronnie. And it was it was really interesting that that happened. I, I found that, I don't I find that really interesting to have because I don't see a lot. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of movies where that really be, is a thing where uh, there is a big like you know big like alignment turn of that nature happen a lot Mm. that's interesting because they actually filmed multiple endings to this movie and there was an ending where the editor actually ended up with the lead and everybody hated it because they were like this guy's a jerk let's not use this ending and it doesn't make sense and then they did another end ending where she was actually giving birth to the she she had this dream the 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 main female protagonist has a, a dream where she has this weird she has a baby that has wings and things like that. The, the maggot baby. Yeah. yeah. She she actually has the the child and it leaves on a cliffhanger for like the fly too, which they, they did make. I haven't actually sat down to watch the second one, but then they ended up ultimately on this sort of bittersweet sort of ending where, you know, he finally, he see, he holds enough of himself. There's that, that scene at the end where she's, puts the shotgun to his head like like Sneck was mentioning it kind of turns into this tragedy story um and it, and on the bittersweet uh, is that I like the fact that uh, you know the dude uh the ed- the editor you know he gets his hand and his leg acid off pretty much acid it yeah. off yeah that that was pretty pretty metal I'm just like oh well, that's I don't think a fly's acid is strong enough to do that to living tissue but as sci-fi damage goes, uh, that's a big oof right there. The visual effects of that are still like mm-hmm. crazy. I haven't seen them use like those melting effects since like the last time I've seen the, those melting effects that I can think of were like um, Indiana Jones, like Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open the Ark at the end and everybody's like melting. The uh, but the, the main thing was that like as you said, like the fly, you know, with all the metal bits and everything in him from going through the teleporter the last time. You know, he puts the the double barrel in his head and pretty much wants it to, to end finally. Or I'm assuming because he has giant metal bits inside no, I mean, of him it's now. Literally and it ends and it ends. Yeah, but it ends there. There's no like there, you don't see him. You don't see the editor with like you know a prosthetic hand or something like that. It literally ends there on like this kind of. I want to say there's also somewhat of a cliffhanger that can be done there too because there's so many oh yeah now left unanswered questions that you could definitely make a second film if you wanted to. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing like I was saying it, it's a a tragedy and in the end after everything he's tried he he 
the last ounces of humanity is a death wish. And just like, this is, this is already gone so far. It's like, it has to stop. Mm -hmm. And this is the way we do it. And even then Ronnie like hesitates. She's like, no, this is like really a horrible thing you're asking me to do. And he kind of makes it clear. He's like, He's going to die even if you don't. This is like the nice thing to do at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, gentlemen, shall we get to final thoughts on the fly? So, for me, Clockwork, I would say this is probably my favorite of the four. Uh, like I said, this one helped, helped, kept me held on a lot more than the other ones. Uh, I would give this a solid nine. All right. A very solid nine. Also, Jeff Goldblum is just awesome in this movie. Just his acting. Everything. He is pure Goldblum. He is. And he has a lot of hair. Like that mullet is righteous. I'm going to have to give this one an eight myself. I just, I, I love the bo- I, body horror is, is my thing. And this is just <laughs> mm, pure body horror. And yeah, it's really sad, which is ironic considering my pick, but you know, that is, that is, you know, how you do. I, I'm with you on that. I, I'd say eight out of 10, really, really solid stuff. A very human monster story i'm gonna give this one a nine out of ten i really enjoyed it it still sticks with like the the final scenes with this movie still like are haunting uh the scene where she like takes his jaw off and he finally loses the rest of his physical form and his jaw comes off and the rest of his face sloshes off the fly and he's still like to this day, horrifying, you know, it, it sticks with you. Yep. My wife is not big on horror movies, but it's one of her favorites. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, I have never looked to fly the same way again after this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You never look at the common house fly quite the same. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's definitely one that if, if you're, you know, scary movie aficionado or would like to be a scary movie aficionado, um, definitely if you love weird body horror and stuff like that you you owe it to yourself if you haven't seen it Mm -hmm. all right that's all four of our opinions so now it's time for the fourth film evil dead 2 1987 so i've never actually seen the first one so it's kind of weird going into the second one so i'm gonna so i'm gonna throw my thoughts out first just to kind of put it out there i do know from i do know from like stuff that I've seen. Cause I think there was also a video game army of darkness from army of darkness, uh, where Ash has the chainsaw arm and the course, the double and the course, the double barrel. Um, it was a real treat. Uh, when I finally watched it to realize that this is the movie that he gets his iconic look from. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool. I really do love Bruce Campbell. I think he's a really good actor. This I, I, it's, it's played as a comedy and I see the comedy bits in it. I, uh, but I feel like that some of it is like, it's really campy and really silly at a lot of points, but like, I feel like there's just weird. Like it wants to stay horror and it wants to be funny. And there's this weird kind of gray line that I just don't, it didn't a hundred percent click with me. Okay. Here's the thing. All right. Evil dead one was actually an indie film. All right. It, it went through the same beats as evil dead two. However, evil dead one is similar or is closer to like a trauma film. It was very racy it actually had a full scene where one of the trees just got up and raped one of the victims it also had noticeably worse effects 
like the the physical effects here are much better in Evil Dead 2. It was also more of a a horror film with just uh, some black comedy trappings in it. The it's been likened by not uh, not me, but by other people who have kind of gone over the series that as Evil Dead goes, you go from Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two, and Ash versus the Army of Darkness. You, you notice that it becomes less horror as the series goes on. Oh, there's still horror trappings, but it becomes much more of a black comedy. And uh, I, that's the reason why I did this one rather than Ash vs. the Army of Darkness. Even though Army of Darkness is more quotable, uh, Ash has a lot of great one-liners in that movie. I feel like this one is a better just kind of uh, balance between... Just it being Ash in, you know, in horrifying situations and it just being kind of really, really goofy. I think my I think my thing with it though is like in my head, the way people presented it to me was like, have you have any of you guys ever played a played a and there goes my brain again. I think it's Shadow Warrior. Um it's a game where it's the it's the assassin with uh, who pretty much just says one liners the entire time. As you're going through trying to, are, are you referring to the, sword? the original Shadow Warrior, or are you referring to the remake? No, from the a couple remake. Years ago? The the remake. Because you have to understand the 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 original Shadow Warrior was made by the same guys who did Duke Nukem, and and it literally is just them making references to the Evil Dead film. That's what I mean, though. That's that's the exact point I'm trying to make is that that's how it was presented to me that it was pretty much just going to be create silly one liners and just over over the top weird silly comedy kind of that's that's more Ash versus the Army of Darkness and a lot of the the one liners that you probably know come from Army of Darkness about you know listen you you Neanderthals here's my boomstick shop smart shop S smart yep. You know, all that, that that's from Army of Darkness. That's all Army of Darkness. The only one uh, rightfully attributed to this film is when he snaps the chainsaw and shotgun into place and goes groovy. Groovy. Yes. This movie was indeed groovy. Oh, it is. It is a great film. And it has honestly like it is a lot of the things that like if you are familiar with Raimi and I know Snack is going to nod his head. It's like. A lot of the things that Raimi is famous for come from these movies because this is basically how he got his chops as a director. Um, like the the Raimi vision, where it's literally just the camera chasing people around in just this one long uninterrupted shot. It's just the fact that he'll break up scenes, he'll just be doing something, 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 and then it'll just stop, drop a joke, and then continue doing like really serious, like that one. Like that one shot in the when he when the, the when the camera's going through the entire camera chasing Bruce Campbell before he decides to disappear into the he goes down to like the, he kind of disappears yeah. off shot yeah yeah that's the Raimi yeah. vision that's actually a thing that they did he pioneered for Evil Dead One interesting yeah that's some of that stuff I did not know about uh, the fact that I mean him and Bruce Campbell were uh, they they became friends when they uh, were filming Evil Dead One and he tries to include him you'll you'll if you if you look in most of Raimi's films uh Campbell will show up at least in a cameo role because the two of them were you know really hit it off and I suppose if you're in a horror film where a tree rapes <laughs> uh, you, you 
What happens in the woods doesn't always stay in the woods. Yeah, just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> this the thing about it that I loved is this movie feels zero incentive to slow down mm-hmm. ever. Like you, you you wait maybe 10, 15 minutes for the first action sequence, and then it's just it's go time. We're we are pedal to the metal and we are not letting up for anything. So you better hold on. <laughs> And you know, the funny thing is too, is like they, they realize he must've realized very quickly, like he started, he ran out of people to kill. And so you notice like the archeological team that comes in later on, they have to add more people so then he could kill them. Yep. Just so he can have more bodies because he needs Ash to push the story, but then he also needs people to actually die in order to to get his uh, dark comedy slash horror chops on. I think that might've been one of the reasons this kind of came off a little different was because I just came off of watching two slow crawly movies into this one that just kept going beat to beat to beat to beat to beat <laughs> not slowing down for anything sucker so maybe that on. was another one too no. <laughs> and that's that actually is a thing throughout if you watch army of darkness it's the same way too it, it is very very fast I'll, I'll probably have to give this one a second shot to be honest. What as I, as I clear my head of like I said the slowness, and if I need some that goes fast, I'll probably enjoy it more. And then I'll, I'll most likely watch Army of Darkness too at this point. Okay, it, what you need to do is you need to actually because Army of Darkness actually pretty much drops off immediately after the cliffhanger ending of when you know he's sent into the past and yeah. he's like, oh, he becomes the hero. That's army of darkness is it's him destroying the evil in the past Mm -hmm. so yeah go ahead just ignore the fact that it's like oh ignore the entire thing where it's like oh yeah he became the hero of legend and just kind of just watch the next film and just that's that's literally it it they do not they do not let up that's just that's where it goes and let me tell you i had to pick this one because this is this was my this series was basically like my first horror thing. I watched Army of Darkness when I was eight years old, and I got to this one bit where this one guy, and for lack of a better term, and Cog, I know you know this, Snack, I know you know this because you guys have seen this film already. Basically, this one guy gets juiced. And I was like, I was like, ho, hum, whatever, you know, monsters or whatever, a little eight-year-old, you know, I was very jaded back then. And then he gets juiced, his blood goes everywhere, and I'm like, whoa, I am really interested now. And then my parents immediately <laughs> were like, it's time to go to bed. Dudaku was like, well, no, no, I want to know what happened. <laughs> I have to watch now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I, I, years later I watched this one. I'm like, Oh my God, this is where the, this is where this all came from. This is, this is the prequel. So yeah, no, I, this, this holds a special place in my heart because of that. What about, what do you, what do you think, Cog? And this is a, uh, you're, you're kind of being quiet. Oh, I really enjoy the Evil Dead movies. I think they're great. I think the first one I actually saw was Ash versus the Army of Darkness. And then I was like, what the heck? This was hilarious. Like, is there more of this? And then I kind of went backwards. I discovered the whole Evil Dead story. And I was like, okay, I got to start this from mm. the beginning. And I actually really appreciate the development that you see if you try to, if you, if you go down, if you go back and watch the three of them as like, this ongoing story and this like developing 
you know, the story of Ash, essentially, I think it works really well in, in, in the fact that he, you know, he's this unassuming teenager in the first one. It's kind of a straight horror movie. Like the Taku said, this one strikes a really great balance between being, you know, the comedy elements and the the horror elements. And then you get to Ash versus the Army Darkness and it goes full blown epic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just takes it takes it over the top and is like let's make this something wild and crazy and epic. And I, I actually really appreciate that development through the films. Um, I think they're, they're, they're fantastic. I, I, uh, I, this is another horror series that I actually really, really enjoyed. I've enjoyed for quite some time. And I know I've met a lot of other people that really, really enjoy these movies, especially um, the second one is, is really great. As Dataku mentioned, it's got this great balance. It's like it's perfect for a Halloween film instead mm-hmm. of it. You know, Army of Darkness gets really slapsticky and funny, but this one has those 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 moments where you're like, oh, this is this is definitely a horror movie, you know. And then other times where it's you know it lightens it up, kind of like The Fly, where it has these these moments of brevity. Yeah, I, I have to agree, and I think it's it's a, it's rather telling that the demons that that you know, start possessing the house and the area around him. Like, not only are they trying to break Ash down bodily, you know, they, they literally are tearing pieces out of him as they attack him, but they take time. And it's really, you know, the craftsmen of pain and fear that they are, that, you know, um, they, they have to screw with him. And, and that's where a lot of the humor is derived from, is that they're just kind of messing with him uh, but I mean, still, it's a, they're still very malevolent. Whereas, yeah, I, I have to kind of agree. Even though the scope is bigger in Army of Darkness, I mean, this is also the one where you literally get evil, evil Ash. I'm good Ash. You're evil yeah. Ash. Goody goody two shoes. <laughs> I love the. I love. Yeah. Do you see the descent into like we like how he goes from this unassuming sort of teenager in the first film to becoming the epic hero as well. Cause you have these wacky, mo- like the crazy moments where, you know, the freaking deer on the walls talking to him, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's, it's, it's fantastic. That's actually one of my favorite bits in the scene is he just slumps down on a thing. And then like, he starts laughing to himself and then the deer starts laughing and then the entire yeah. room starts laughing. <laughs> the yes. Lamp is like moving up and down. So he starts doing squats to like, move in sync with the lamp yeah that's what i was gonna say is that that was probably one of the most uh parts i remember the most from this the other one that caught me off guard that i really liked is when he's looking Mm -hmm. in the mirror and then the and then he comes out of the mirror per se or like talking to himself and uh assumingly choking himself for a little bit but i was just like that that whole bit i was like wait a minute that's i felt was well put Mm -hmm. together that's why it goes to what i was saying like i think if you take the three films together and you kind of watch ash's journey this second one is really where you see start to see that transition from the ash you know from the kid the kid that was in the first movie into becoming the epic hero that that is in you know ash versus army of darkness right so you kind of this is that that trend the character developing transition point is the second film right that's a good way of putting it honestly and i mean it is a really good trilogy too if you look at it that way and i mean i i don't know i'm not a huge fan of the 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 series they they did a couple years ago um I think it works. Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, they did a series. I missed out on this. Yeah, yes, they did. Yeah, it's it's not good. No, I didn't really like it. But 
Um, you know, it is what it is. They're doing a video game now, actually, huh. from what I've that heard. That could be interesting. Well, they've done a few video games. Although, I mean, as I say, uh, Duke Nukem is effectively Ash, you know, in fighting aliens. So There is a there is an Army of Darkness game in my, mem- my memory. I think it was like on Xbox or something like that, though, too. So it's not like this is like the first game that has Ash in it. Well, if you're including uh, Ash as the main character in the, his own video game, I'm not going to talk. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, like Poker Night at the inventory or something like that. I'm talking about like, you know, Army of Dead. Yeah, game. I'm referring to a new uh, just revealed there is a new Ash. Uh, huh, oh, that would be cool. That they actually have game footage for. So yeah, you can't you can look it up. I'm gonna have to look this up. Yeah, now. that'd be really cool. Looking forward to that. Then. Uh, it's literally. Oh, let me. I'll even give it to you. It's literally called Evil Dead: The Game. This Bruce Campbell voice. I guess while you're looking at, it, I, would, I would take a look and see if Bruce Campbell's voicing Ash. That'd be a big thing too. So you can look that up. They they literally put the trailer up not three months ago as of this recording. Oh. <laughs> well, well <then. laughs> very easy to find. <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, final thoughts time. Cool stuff. I, I'd have to say this is a ten out of ten. This series pretty much, is, as I said, this is this is little Ditaku's first foray into horror that isn't you know like um, like. Oh no, it's Grundle's skins and he's gonna come and steal Christmas. This this is this was like my first horror film, so I, I it's it this series holds a special place in my heart. So I'm gonna have to give this one a ten out of ten. Uh I will give it a seven out of ten, but again, that's my I feel like I'm gonna need to watch it again. I'd be able to give it a better review score once I kinda temper my expectations differently because i felt like i was going into this one way when i was actually thinking of a like a i was actually thinking of army of darkness i think in that sense you probably imagined that this movie was completely different than what it actually was well i was expect i think i think from how you explained it i was expecting army of darkness and i watched evil yeah. dead too yeah when i from, and yeah. it was and i was a and people explained it to me like if it was army of darkness and it's evil dead too yeah now you, you go ahead and go ahead and watch both films. They're both good, and but you're probably gonna see um, Army of Darkness and go, "Oh, this is the one I thought it was," because that's where <laughs> that's the one everyone quotes. Yeah, you know, this is. Uh, it, it, I mean, Ash has a lot of great one-liners in that one. So, um, so yeah, I guess it, when when we do the Christmas special, you know, you you can do your book report and you know go, okay, so this is what I think about Evil Dead now. <laughs> Also, I think the quote I'm using on Discord right now is one of them. Hail to the king, baby. It is. I remember that being from him. Yes, that is that is the like the last thing he says. Yes. Wait, how do you you've never seen Army nope. of Darkness? And yet I've only I've only gotten quotes and everything. Wow. Really is a widely quoted film, to be fair. Yeah, I was about to say, pretty much everything that Duke Nukem says is either from They Live or Army of Darkness. So God. This was another one I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, this Halloween block that we did. In terms of ratings, I'd, I'd give this one like a like a nine out of ten. It's really great. It's solid. It's it's epic. I, I think it's fantastic. I just yeah, I, I don't have um, the only the only like if you were to ask me what's differentiating a nine from a ten, it's just I don't probably don't watch it as much as something like Ghostbusters. But other than that, it's just it's it's great. You're now thinking about that's fair. I'll, uh, I'll mirror that. Sentence. I was going to say you're now thinking about what would happen if Ash and the Ghostbusters teamed up. How cool that would be! <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. 
Uh, we, we definitely know who's the brains and who's the brawn in these scenarios. <laughs> uh, but on Maricog's thoughts, I, I think he summed it up and my feelings quite nicely. I would also say nine out of ten. Just, I really enjoyed it. It's a roller coaster ride of a film, let me tell you. <laughs> I enjoyed myself immensely. Awesome. Let's say I think at nine or out of ten or ten out of ten, it's just personal taste. So, yeah, I can respect that. Awesome. So, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for our second Halloween episode. We had a blast. We had a lot of fun going through these movies. Mm-hmm. Look forward to more Tomodachi Bros to come. I promise. Um, I will. Uh, season two will be getting underway into post-production soon. And um, we hope you guys have a happy Halloween. Be sure to check us out on the Hipster Snack channel, as well as everything else going on on the Hipster Snack channel. Those are our new official home for the Tomodachi Bros. We are officially Tomodachi Bros. subsidiary of the Hipster Snack. <laughs> Hipster Snack LLC. Way to put all the pressure on me. <laughs> Wait, when, when did I become the parent company? <laughs> Whoa, I didn't, that was a serious promotion I wasn't expecting. Hipster Snack LLC. You're the one with the channel. <laughs> Touche. So stay tuned for more. Stay tuned for more on this Snack channel. And uh, we hope you guys have a spooky Halloween. See ya later, dude. See ya later. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast, produced and recorded by the Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor-Brown with COG Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor-Brown with Costas Voss of Core Insight Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time. everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tomodachi Bros Anime Podcast. I'm one of the co-founders and co-hosts of the podcast, The Hipster Snack. If you want more content from me, I have my own YouTube channel, The Hipster Snack. Links will be available everywhere I can spam it up until I get a custom one, but all in due time. I do weekly game reviews and in the future, probably more than that. Look forward to it and I'll see you there and on Twitter at Hipster Snack. See ya!